Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. Man, am I in a good mood today. I am looking ahead on my calendar and realizing this is the last weekend in February. We start March next week, and I just feel like, yeah, we might get a couple of snowstorms, but I really feel like March is the beginning of the winter lifting, the arrival of vaccines. Kids actually did go back to school. We're still in lockdown here in the Toronto area where I'm recording from, but there's an optimism that I feel. And the other thing I was thinking about just before I hit record on this was um, that they're doing construction down below, and my uh, air humidifier was buzzing, and I was thinking, oh, I've got to get really quiet for my podcast. And um, and then I thought, I'm so grateful to my parents who taught me the courage to be imperfect. This is a big Adlerian concept, and I cannot state enough how much this keeps me sane in that yeah, there's people making noise down below. And yeah, the air conditioner, I got to unplug that. And it's not going to be a perfect thing. And I probably should have recorded this on Wednesday instead of Friday and all the other imperfections of life. But I'm not getting my knickers twisted in a knot about it. I'm not getting high blood pressure. That these same variables in the environment that could create incredible stress for other people are rolling off my back a little bit easier. Not because I'm an exceptional person by any means, but because my parents taught me the courage to be imperfect, that I, and if you didn't learn it in childhood, you can learn it as an adult, but the idea is we need to let go of our attachment to our ego that is concerned about how we're coming off, that our value is based on 
performance or perfection or all these other variables and to embrace this other concept of self that says, I am already good enough. I was born good enough. I am lovable as I am with my imperfections. And my task in life is to not come off looking good or better or doing it right or any of those things. That's so misguided and a waste of energy that I come back to the idea of we're here to be in the service of one another, that we're already good enough, that we're all growing. I know some stuff that I want to share with you and you'll grow. I reach out to my other friends that are ahead of this journey and they teach me new things and each one teach one and just be helpful and care for one another. And that's what that podcast is about. It's just about being helpful and I hope you find it helpful. And is there noise in the background sometimes and sometimes should it have been posted on a Monday instead of a Tuesday? Yep, perhaps, but... We just get on with doing the good work of being a human being and don't lose sight of it. Um, So there you go. Courage to be imperfect. Thank goodness. But uh, but let me read. I've got three questions. And thank you again. If you want to ask me a question, please uh, email me, allison at allisonshafer.com. Connect with me through any of my social handles. This one actually came in through Twitter. So however you want to get these questions, they're always answered anonymously. And here we go for today. Any suggestions to encourage a teen to engage in physical activity while doing online school? Something fun and entertaining. stick is a problem. So, of course, I agree with you that we um, know that getting out there and being physically active in any way, shape, or form is going to help our mental health. But we're also talking about a teenager who may have very different ideas about what's important to them right now. And it's really hard to push our values on our teenagers that I think we have to model. So here's solutions for you. One, I would say get physical yourself. And you probably are, but um, invite them along and say, hey, I'm going for a walk. I'm going for a run. I'm going to go, do you want to go do a Zumba class? Whatever it might be. Um, Keep doing what you're doing. Continue to invite them. Know that there's always a social component. You can be the social component. Do it with me. Join me. What would be interesting? See what they might be interested in. It, it may be that they're like Zumba or die. I would have. I would rather be shot with a bullet in the head than do Zumba with my mother. <laughs> that may be true. But what else might they be interested in? There are, uh, and that's that's just a curiosity question. So if you can say, you know, everyone's supposed to be kind of moving, doing, you know, what what might be kind of cool for you. If you probe around about it and be open-minded about it, could be a bunch of things, you know. I mean, it could turn out that, um, you know, going on their iPad on an exercise bicycle and running the Pyrenees through a travel app that you know, or what are these some of these social um, uh, apps now where you can track where you've been and you can go to foreign countries and have a little social component. That might be kind of fun. They might want to do like a watch party with something on TikTok with all their friends where they do like some challenge where everybody's doing, I don't know, sit-ups every morning, whatever it might be. Every kid's a little bit different that way. So it's really about creativity and and being supportive around what they might explore around that, getting that social component and a good fit for them and what they like to do. But I would also say we have to know the limits of our influence, meaning I will be curious and I will be supportive and I might like 
share what I know about the importance of physical activity or whatever. But once I start crossing the line with a teenager where I'm going, the benefit of this knowledge around being physically active and my pushing my agenda is now eroding my relationship and it's costing the social relationship, I'm going to have to weigh in my own mind, is the negative consequences of them being inactive outweighing the need for me, like, am I going to shred the parental relationship so that they get their heart rate up for a couple times a week? Probably not. Probably not. If I just keep my optimism, my modeling and say, hey, I trust when it becomes a problem for you, I'm here as a resource to you and I'll support you. And I just get on with my business. That's probably fine. But to to say, now I got a kid who's inactive, not listening to me, and we're having a fight. Now I'm not connecting with my kid, and they're inactive. I am not net-net going forward. So I'm always asking myself, how far can I push, you know, and again, going at it respectfully with curiosity, you know, that kind of route. But when I get like full stop pushback, I have to ask myself an evaluation about why am I fighting the good fight? You know, if I'm fighting the good fight that my kid takes piano lessons because, yeah, I might think it's good for the mind, it's good for being rounded, all those other good things. But I'm like, if I have a kid who doesn't play piano, but we're really close in our relationship, isn't that better? Or do I want to have a kid who's like a concert pianist and they won't talk to me ever again? (laughs) So think about how, and every kid's a little bit different. Like, you know your kid, you've got to trust your little spidey senses on how you push these things. So. Don't feel that you're being a failure with teenagers if you've hit the wall of your influence and that's all you can do. And don't think that you've been completely ineffective because the one thing about parenting is you got to take the long road. It might take them another six months, a year, two years, five years. I don't know. But they might say, you know, I came from a home where my parents were always active. They always went to the gym. They always went for a run. And I kind of ignored them the whole time I was in high school and first year university. But, you know, now I'm like, oh, you know, I I really want to get my life together. I really don't like how I'm feeling, you know. I Maybe I'm going to try doing some of the things my parents told me way back then. You don't know. You don't know that what you have said has not been impactful. It could. Just take take the long road and don't create a fight. Come at it from caring and modeling and, and see how you go. Um, so there you go. Hope, hope some of those ideas are, are good there. Uh, all right, next question. My nine-year-old son has been touching his private parts a lot. Um, He wears sweatpants, and he tends to cuddle up in a blanket to watch television in the family room. But I can see he's touching himself. I don't want to shame him, but I also don't want to see it. How should I handle this? (laughs) Well, thank you for the question. And uh, thank goodness that your end goal is that you don't want to shame him, because I agree. You know, um, we just did a podcast with uh, Amy Lang about um, talking to kids about sex, and we were talking about the fact that we have such this, you know, taboo and shame around all this stuff, and and we don't want that to be the case. We really don't. Um, sexuality is a really important part of our adult uh, expression of knowing ourselves and uh, the intimacy that we share with our partners later in life, and we would hope that that script is, is good, and it starts at home in the early messaging you get from your parents, so I'm so glad that you have that on your radar. Uh, But at the same time, we have to socialize our kids, and we need to teach them about what's public and what's private, what's okay and what's not okay. It is okay to touch yourself. 
That is true. Um, you And you can normalize that. Yeah, there's a lot of nerve endings and there's pleasure centers. And, you know, when you touch your penis, it, it's pleasurable and it gets erect and it feels really nice and it's calming and it's soothing and you may even ejaculate. And um, all of those things are really wonderful parts of the human body. All of that is wonderful and good. However, watching somebody else stimulate themselves um, is harder for the other people to watch. It's something that we do in private. It's not something that we do public. And it's like so many other things that we all do and we all understand are part of human living. You know, picking our nose. We get boogers. We need to like clear our noses or passing gas. It's like it happens. We make a liter of gas a day and we have to get rid of it. But we don't want to offend other people with the reality of that biology or how good it feels to not have gas in her stomach or boogers in her nose. All of those things are great and natural. But we have to have it in consideration for other people. So that's something we do privately. And if you would like to touch your penis and bring your little joy centers online, that's all lovely. But please, we need to do that in the bedroom. So the next time you, I would have that conversation with him with that kind of lighthearted, I'm, I really don't have an issue with this, you know, the way you talk about it kind of, it isn't just the content, but it's the comfortability and the way that you talk about it. And hopefully, you know, fake it till you make it if that's a difficult conversation with, you know, or own it and say like, I'm nervous. Nobody ever told me this when I was growing up, but, um, but I want to make sure you know it. And then if they do actually do it again, you could just kind of look at them and say, do you need, do you need privacy? Or you could, like, reach down your hand and say, like, can I escort you to the bedroom? I'll show you where there's a proper place to do that. Or you might see something, like, not interesting for me to watch. Just a little something that gives a little nudge because they might be thinking they're pushing a boundary, getting away with something. And we need to let them know you're not actually getting away with it. I do see that blanket moving. I do see, you know, your eyes glazing over whatever it might be. So just be honest about it, with again, without the shaming, but just usually that little nudge. Do you need privacy? Do you want to go? Or move yourself out of the way. Uh, yeah, I don't want to watch that. But... I don't want them to feel they get the television room and all the privacy. If I step out of the room, I'm like, no, you actually need to go. <laughs> that's that's on you to go right now. So there you go. Hopefully, hopefully that is is helpful. And um, go back and check Amy Lang's podcast because I think she's got lots of great information too. Last question for us today. Hi, Allison. Hope you're well. I've been enjoying your podcast every week. And thank you, everybody. I really do appreciate the listening, the likes, the sharing, the submitting questions. It means the world to me. So thank you. I'm wondering if a uh, virtual... Oh, if the, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so she's asking me about my, my, my virtual workshop. Um, I do have a workshop series. I'm putting more things online. If you're interested in um, doing any of my workshops... Please sign up for my e-newsletter. It's Allison uh, at AllisonShafer.com is my email. The website is AllisonShafer.com. At the bottom of every page, there is a link to sign up to the e-newsletter, and you'll be notified as soon as there's another course online. So we just did Sibling Rivalry. The next one coming up is Anger in the Family. Um, but there'll probably be one or two every month as we push our way through. So if you're on that email list, you'll get you know first dibs at, at knowing when things are recorded. But she's got a question for me here. She says, we're having challenges with our seven-year-old daughter's behavior, and it predates COVID. She is a very observant child, and she can step up to responsibility when needed, like doing online schooling. Thank God. And again, it's good. You know, a lot of kids are actually doing okay with online schooling as much as we have um, 
you know, maligned it. However, with almost any adversity, she responds with significant anger. This would be a zero to 100% of stomping, screaming, or even growling with an angry face at the family member who is involved. This behavior seems to be only at home and not in person, school, or with friends. It can be caused by almost anything from her younger brother instigating, being told no to anything, challenging homework, or finding a hole in her pants. Most recently, her brother looked at her artwork when she wasn't ready to show it to him, and this led to an outlash of anger, almost violence. She will say all of these problems are 15 out of 10 on a scale of problems, or that everything is a major catastrophe. We handle violence by removing her from the situation and do our best to acknowledge her feelings, but not accept the behavior. I'm aware that I need to help her learn how to manage her emotions, but I'm also not sure how. Please shed light on how to enable emotional regulation in my children. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, um, I, I really appreciate that you even asked her the question to scale it. You know, how, how big is this problem on a scale of 1 to 10? And she comes with a 15. It's a 15. Um, there's a, you know, I hear in, in listening to this that there's a rigidity in her thinking, that there's a way that things should be. And when things are not the way that I envision them, I'm not rolling with the punches. And so that rigidity can be around um, things uh, like a perfectionistic kind of a thing. I don't want holes in my pants. Pants shouldn't have holes. Um, I'm going to show my homework when I want to show my homework or my picture. And um, and you did it not the way that I had it planned out. So it's a it's a you broke a rule. You broke the rule of my thinking. And. That rigidity and rules and how things should be and how I want things to go down, it's interesting that she doesn't seem to have this outside the family. She has it inside the family, which tells me that she's a little bit more concerned about her prestige and and how people are viewing her such that if there is a hole in my pants or if he does see my homework or if I didn't do it quite the way I want, somehow that mistake, that error, that, that things not unfolding the way they should that she really feels that that interpretation of the people around her is going to be that she is somehow being lowered in other people's estimation. So there's a bit more of a threat to her value, to her to her worth if things don't go quite well. And uh, and of course we know brothers, siblings can feel more threatening because they're can be in the misguided private logic of a child, the idea that um, that the sibling is is cared for more, or I am diminished and less than my sibling, and I need to work and compete to show that I am worthy compared to them. And so she wouldn't have that with a teacher. She wouldn't have that in a classroom because the sibling is not there and the teacher is not a parent. So she maybe feels more secure in that relationship. So I circle back to what we learned at the beginning of, or what I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast about the courage to be imperfect. This is really, this is really a fundamental Adlerian truism that applies to so many, so many situations, which is we need to let go of that ego attachment and that fear of mistake making and that rigidity that comes with needing to cover our butt and make sure we look good. Uh, that's all very ego-related thinking. And so instead, we want to give them the courage to be imperfect, which is life is imperfect. Life is blemished. Sometimes things don't go the way you want. Sometimes other people's pictures are better. Um, Sometimes pants get holes. (laughs) All those things that are just truisms about life 
and rolling with those punches, knowing that the whole time that we are okay, that we are not being evaluated based on those those things that right now as we are we are everything we need to be and we are likable lovable worthy and content just as we are and kids only get that idea when it's reflected back to them so as parents our big goal is not only to help with the emotional regulation which i agree if she's having a blowout we we want to be able to respond appropriately but in between the blowouts, we want to learn how to be an encouraging parent. The skills of encouragement. There is a wonderful book called The Skills of Encouragement. I will put that in the show notes. And there are resources on my website about encouragement that you can also check out. But the word encouragement, encouragement, courage, is, is right in that word, the courage, the courage. To be an encouraging parent is to instill in our children the courage to be imperfect. And that comes not only in our language of being an encouraging parent, but it's also in our attitude towards our children. It is about full acceptance. It's about non-judgmental. It's about valuing effort, improvement, contribution, and helpfulness over perfection, accomplishment, competitive ends, it's where we put our attention. It's where we put our values. And we can be really misguided about that as parents. We can get very into praise, into there is a measuring rod. And when you live up to doing the way that I think things should be done to my level of perfection, then I'll pat you on the head and tell you that you are worthy and you're a good kid. And you, and you would maybe never say those words out loud, but the lived, felt experience of that in children is absolutely there. That our kids, you don't, you can't hide that from your your values from your kids. They'll come in and they'll say like, oh yeah, they tell me they don't really care what marks I get in school, but I know they want A's. Of course I do. So, you know, you can say one thing, but they've spent a lot of time with you. They know. So uh, it's a lot about those subliminal quiet messagings to our kids. So I would say overall, the antidote for this is to really um, increase your skills around being encouraging. Uh, check out the encouragement resources. And in terms of the emotional reactivity, I would say that, you know, active listening in the moment, I would just say, like, name it. Say, wow, you really have an idea about how the world should be. And you're letting me know that you would like it a lot better if things went were just so that when things, when you're when life follows rules and you are okay, then you are happy. And when rules are broken and things don't turn out the way you want and you think you're looking less than perfect, that is really, really hard for you. Well, I want you to know that you don't need to be perfect and you don't need to worry that sometimes life throws you a curveball. I know you can manage it. I know you're a champion. I know that you can flex and bend when life sends you a curveball like that. Um, and then we have to model it, you know, and I think that's the part that a lot of us don't understand is that when you're a child and you're looking at your parents, they're living a pretty competent, masterful life. And we don't actually demonstrate a lot of error making to our kids because a lot of us are chicken and don't live on our, our you know, learning leading edge. When was the last time you took on something and really blundered? When was the last time you really blundered in front of your kids? And when you did, how did you treat yourself? Did you beat yourself up? Did you fall into a depression? Or did you say, well, so be it. I guess that's how life rolls today. <laughs> so modeling imperfection is super powerful as well. 
I will dig into some of the content in the skills of encouragement in a future podcast so I can give you some more little nuggets there. But that's really, that's the direction that I would sniff with this one. Uh, Check out all the, the resources and I'll catch you at another one of my upcoming workshops. So parents, please sign up for my e-newsletter and send me your questions and happy March. I could not be happier that it is here. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast, so thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.